listening to the Long Hollow Young Adults Podcast. We are the Young Adults Ministry at Long Hollow Church, located in Hendersonville, Tennessee. If you are interested in learning more about us or looking to attend one of our gatherings, you can follow us on Instagram at LHYoungAdults or visit longhollow.com for more information. And now, a message from our Young Adults Pastor, Dylan Young. Thank y'all for leading us. Can we give the worship band a hand? This, is, this has been fun so far. Man, I love sitting at the back and watching y'all. Um, man, tonight we're talking about wisdom in Ecclesiastes. And what does the wisest man who ever lived have to say about wisdom. I mean, I don't know about you, but um, I've done some dumb stuff before, right? Anybody else done anything dumb before? Okay, thank you. Got some honest people in the room. Um, I, yesterday I was thinking, what's something simple and dumb that I've done that I could confess to everybody? And first thing that came to mind was um, when I let my older neighbor, Carly Hagee, I um, haven't forgotten that name, she told me, this is like elementary school, she told me that the next car that drove by, I should pick up a handful of rocks from our neighbor's yard and throw it at the car. I'm like, I mean, Carly's older, she knows what she's doing, so I did it. Um, and I didn't anticipate the car putting their brake lights on when I did that. Um, or when I decided that I was close enough with one of my high school football coaches, I thought we had this really close relationship, and one time at practice I decided to call him by his first name, Rusty. And that didn't go over well. Um, he put me in my place real quick when I did that. Or the time that, uh, again, elementary school, I decided to put on all of my football pads and ride down the hill in our neighborhood on my bike with my eyes closed, right? Nothing can happen if you got your football pads on. It was a great idea until I hit the mailbox. Um, we've all done dumb stuff, right? And we can all agree that there's a difference in being smart and having intellect and having wisdom. There's a difference in those two things. Um, Knowledge doesn't do anything for us if we're not wise with what we do with that knowledge. We can learn and we can grow, but if we don't know what to do in a given situation with what we know, our knowledge is worthless, right? And that's where wisdom comes in. And the teacher in Ecclesiastes, assuming this was King Solomon, he's the wisest man who's ever lived according to Scripture. When he begins his kingship, God asks him what he wants Yes, uh, I'll give you anything, whatever it is that you want. And he doesn't ask for money or fame or anything like that. He asks for wisdom. And God grants that request for him. Um, you know much of his wisdom from the book of Proverbs. It says people came from all over the world at that time to see this wisdom in person. They wanted to hear some of the wisdom and insight that Solomon had. So we would think in a book where Solomon himself is talking so much about wisdom that it would get glowing reviews, right? But if you've been following us in this Everything is Meaningless series, you know that his conclusion, for a little while at least, is going to be wisdom itself is meaningless. That's where, that's where Solomon starts tonight, but it's not going to be where he ends we're going to look at two totally different categories of wisdom, but I want, you to, I want you to hear with me tonight. Wisdom is meaningful when it's put in its proper place, when it has the right expectations 
that we put on it. And we can put wrong expectations on wisdom and what it can do in our life. And then, yeah, it does become meaningless. But when we view wisdom as a means of worship, then it becomes meaningful. And that's where we're headed tonight. And if you would open up to Ecclesiastes chapter 1, I'm gonna, I want to read you just his, one of his initial thoughts on wisdom as he begins this book of, of Ecclesiastes um, to see what he says about wisdom itself. Now, again, a reminder, this is not, we're not going to be looking at like individual nuggets of wisdom tonight. We're talking about wisdom as a whole, um, this whole umbrella term. So that's, that's the kind of categories we're looking at tonight. So Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 16 the teacher says this, I thought to myself, look, I have grown and increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I've experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. Then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom and also of madness and folly, but I learned that this too is chasing after the wind. It's meaningless, right? For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. Let me pray for us as we begin. God, I pray that you would help us tonight to be wise in how we think about wisdom. God, I pray that you would fill each of our minds with your Holy Spirit and help us to read your word correctly. Pray that you would um, help us to humble ourselves and to be willing to acknowledge you uh, maybe in ways that we haven't before. Lord, I pray as we study your word tonight that you might be present with us. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're talking about this idea of wisdom as a whole. And really, even just in the book of Ecclesiastes, the teacher's thoughts on wisdom are kind of volatile. Like, they're all over the place. Like, it, it's, it can feel like it just depends on what side of the bed he woke up on as to what he thinks about wisdom itself. And that's... That's what makes this book kind of like, what is going on here? Like, what is the truth? What is reality for Solomon? Um, how, how, like it says, the more knowledge he gets, the sadder he gets. Like, that doesn't make me want to go out and learn more, right? I mean, I think probably maybe you found that true in some ways in your life. It, regardless, it's not what we would expect from the wisest man who ever lived, Right? I mean, he speaks about wisdom in two totally different categories that we're going to see tonight. So we're going to look at Ecclesiastes and some other places where Solomon himself spoke about wisdom. And we're coming back to this key phrase that we've seen all over Ecclesiastes, that phrase, under the sun. He's kind of got two categories of wisdom. He's thinking in one type of wisdom is this under the sun wisdom. So uh, one commentator I saw described it, the, the type of wisdom he's looking for here when he's speaking so negatively of wisdom and its results. He's thinking of wisdom the way he described it was human thinking at its very best. That's the type of wisdom Solomon's searching out here. And we're going to read what his conclusions are on that type of wisdom. So keep in mind when he's, when he's talking these particular ways, positive and negative, two categories of wisdom. We'll see another one here in a second, but this is under the sun wisdom. And, and here are his conclusions about that type of wisdom. Just follow me. I'll read this stuff to you. A few different spots in Ecclesiastes. Chapter 8, starting in verse 16, he says, When I applied my mind, and I should say this before I go any farther, I'm leaning very heavily on Scripture tonight. Um, the, more, the more I prepared to speak on wisdom, 
the more I thought to myself, I need to lessen my voice and lean more on scripture. So I'm gonna read to you a lot tonight. I mean, that's, that's intentional. So follow, follow along with me. Ecclesiastes chapter eight, verse 16. When I applied my mind to know wisdom and to observe the labor that is done on earth, people getting no sleep day or night, then I saw all that God has done. No one can comprehend what goes on under the sun. Despite all their efforts to search it out, no one can discover its meaning. Even if the wise claim they know, they cannot really comprehend it. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, starting in verse 13. I also saw under the sun this example of wisdom that greatly impressed me. There was once a small city with only a few people in it, and a powerful king came against it, surrounded it, and built a huge siege works against it. Now, there lived in that city a man poor but wise, and he saved the city by his wisdom. So, like, wisdom worked in this situation, right? Or did it? His next sentence says, but nobody remembered that poor man. So I said, wisdom is better than strength, but... The poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are no longer needed, no longer heeded. Ecclesiastes chapter two, jumping back a little bit, verse 13. I saw that wisdom is better than folly, just as light is better than darkness. The wise have eyes in their heads while the fool walks in the darkness. But I came to realize that the same fate overtakes them both. Then I said to myself, the fate of the fool will overtake me also. What then do I gain by being wise? I said to myself, this too is meaningless. For the wise, like the fool, will not be long remembered. The days have already come when both have been forgotten. Like the fool, the wise too must die. Verse 17, so I hated life. To be the wisest man who ever lived, he doesn't think much of wisdom. Wisdom is meaningless to Solomon in this moment. But I think once again, we can deduct that his conclusion on wisdom is not ultimately that wisdom is meaningless. Think about it. He, he wrote all of the Proverbs, most of the Proverbs himself. Uh, he wrote this, so much in this book that speaks positively of wisdom. He would not have done those things if he thought it was a waste of his time if he truly believed wisdom was meaningless, he wouldn't have done those things. So how do we sift through all of this really strong negativity to figure out what wisdom is, what do we actually do with it, why is it worth pursuing? And the, the problem, I think, is our perspective. It's our perspective on what wisdom can do for us. So what do we expect wisdom to do for us? And maybe, I know as I thought about it, there was not something that had ever really crossed my mind much. What do I expect being wise and living wisely. What do I expect that to do for me? What are the expectations that I place on wisdom? What are the expectations that the teacher here was placing on wisdom? And in just those three passages that I just read, think about what he was actually expecting wisdom to do for him. He says, he says it failed because it didn't do these things. First one, it says it didn't reveal the meaning of life to him. Like wisdom was supposed to Help me be able to understand all that there is about life. He says, even the wise can't, can't figure it out. It's supposed to bring him the meaning of life. Second one, that wise man he talked about who defended his city because of his wisdom, it was supposed to bring that guy name recognition that lasted well beyond his life, and it didn't. It failed because it didn't bring him praise and recognition. And the last passage we read, he honestly expected wisdom to shield him from death itself in some ways. He's saying, man, 
No matter how wise I am, I'm still going to die too. You know, those are not correct expectations to place on wisdom. Like it can never meet those expectations and it was never meant to. All the wisdom that you can gain, it's not meant to provide those types of things for you. And if you think about it, this is really what the teacher in Ecclesiastes has been doing all along with all of the topics that we've talked about. Think about it, success and money, he expected it to solve all of his problems. And it's meaningless because it doesn't. If we think about uh, pleasures and women, uh, all those type things that he had, he expected sex to provide him with intimacy when it was never meant to do that. In fact, it's the opposite. We're supposed to have intimacy that leads us to sex. It's meaningless because it didn't work the way he thought it would. Success itself, he expected achievement to provide him with satisfaction. And it doesn't provide lasting satisfaction. It never will. It was never supposed to. Over and over, the teacher, again, again and again, he's trying to get us to say, man, these things don't last. There's got to be more. And that's the same place he's getting us to tonight. Um, It's the one thing, he's looking for all these things to provide him with peace. He's looking for peace in all these places. And that's probably the one thing that nothing under the sun can actually provide for you. Another commentator said a summary of his thoughts up to this point. He said, what his experience shows maybe more clearly than anything else in the Bible is the reality of life without God. As long as we look at things from this under the sun perspective, there are many things to hate about life. The conclusion that he came to when looking at wisdom and life under the sun honestly is accurate. When it's a life lived without God. And I would actually say there's something else he was hoping wisdom would do for him. And he, we've, we've had something like this every week when we've been in Ecclesiastes. Man, if you, will, if you will take the time to diligently, slowly walk through a book like this, you're going to find some stuff hidden in there that you might not have expected, that you might have overlooked otherwise. And I think ultimately his chief complaint against wisdom is found in one small verse that would be really easy to read over. And it's one that began a section we read earlier. Ecclesiastes 1, verse 15. Look at that one with me. Chapter 1, verse 15 says this. What is crooked cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. I'll read it again. What is crooked cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. What is he saying there? At the root of it all, this is what the teacher was hoping wisdom could provide. He wants to be able to make sense of life. He wants it to be this kind of mathematical equation where if I live with wisdom, then I can kind of predict how life is going to go because it all adds up, right? But it doesn't. Life is crooked. It has twists and turns in it that we don't expect. It it, it goes in ways that, that don't add up to us. And wisdom can never help you make sense of all that happens in life. Uh, It can't be straightened out. What what God has made crooked, it can't be straightened out. It's something he would say later. God's life is not always going to add up. No matter how wise, no matter how well you live life, it's not going to be this just straight line, predictable life that maybe you would want. Now, we hear that and we're like, okay, 
honestly, what Solomon's doing there is he's expecting this life on after God to just provide him with karma. Like, God, I'll live the way you want me to live, and then on the back end, I'm going to expect you to do certain things also. That's, that's karma. What a, what a fool, right? Like, why would Solomon think that way? But let's be real for a moment. Maybe you've never really thought about it, but isn't that kind of what a lot of us expect a lot of the time? Like, God, I'm going to live. I'm doing everything like I would expect. You would want me to do it. I'm trying to live right, Lord. And how, man, this is the result of my efforts. I want to guess maybe you've had a situation in life where you've felt that way. And maybe you didn't think about it this way, but maybe you've been putting really wrong expectations on living a wise life. God makes no guarantees in scripture that like, hey, if you do this, I will do this. Like that's, that's not how life works. That's not how God operates. And that's what Solomon was looking for with all of his wisdom. Again, it's this under the sun wisdom. It's not the kind of wisdom God's hoping we will, uh, hoping we will seek after. So maybe right now in this moment, maybe you need to admit to God that you're frustrated with him right now, that you feel like you're living and doing everything you're supposed to do, but life isn't going the way you expected it to. Maybe you need to admit that to him and, and let go of it in some ways. Uh, maybe you need to silence the, the voice in your head telling you that God's not trustworthy because life isn't going the way as you thought it would be, because it's crooked and not this straightforward life. Maybe you need to admit that You've been trying to live the Christian life by the idea that, okay, if I follow Jesus, my life is going to be this easier life than it would have been otherwise. That's not the life that Jesus called us to. Wisdom is not a means to a result. It's, it's not a math formula. It doesn't, you don't get to choose the path that your life takes, right? Wisdom is meaningless when we view it from this kind of karma I do this, God, you do this mindset. But wisdom is meaningful when we view it in its proper way, when we view it as worship. And that is a totally different type of wisdom. So I want, I want us to start thinking in this other category of wisdom. We, we've looked at under the sun wisdom. Now let's look at a wisdom that I've just simply called fear of the Lord wisdom. And again, I'm going to lean heavily on scripture here, but and this is a totally different perspective. We're hearing from the same guy. And he's going to be saying something totally different about wisdom. And he is over the top positive because he's thinking about wisdom in a proper perspective. So think with me, Proverbs 1 verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or the beginning of wisdom. That's where the, the name of this wisdom comes from. Proverbs 9, 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. This is why I, I named this category what it did, because all true wisdom starts with this fear of the Lord and an acknowledgement, here's kind of the key to it, the acknowledgement that God is the one in control. God's the one in control. Um, the totally different type of wisdom, so what are his conclusions when Solomon thinks back on this type of wisdom? When he's lived life this way, what are his conclusions? Proverbs 8, verse 11. For wisdom is better than jewels, and nothing desirable can equal it. Proverbs 16, 16. Get wisdom, how much better it is than gold, and get understanding, it's preferable to silver. 
Ecclesiastes 7.12, same book we're in right now. Wisdom is a shelter as money is a shelter, but the advantage of knowledge is this. Wisdom preserves those who have it. Again, Ecclesiastes 7, verse 19. Wisdom makes one person more powerful than 10 rulers in a city. Totally different mindset, totally different words he's using to describe wisdom. And friends, wisdom is well worth pursuing when it's the right kind of wisdom. So my my plea to you tonight is, would you take scripture at face value and see that wisdom is good when it's this type of wisdom that starts with a fear of the Lord? Like, would you heed the warning of a man who has tried both types and found that one leaves him empty? And would you seek out this other type of wisdom that is wisdom that starts with God and ends with God? The wisdom that starts with the fear of the Lord, it's the type of wisdom that shows us not just how to live life well, like anybody can do that. You can live a life that looks good. It's, it's the type of wisdom that shows me how God would want me to live my life. That is wisdom. Uh, it's, not, it's not, remember what we were saying earlier about the type of wisdom uh, Solomon was seeking out. It was the, the best type of thinking under the sun. He was looking at all the best thinkers, the brightest mind, the best ideas of the day. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the type of wisdom that starts with this book and it filters everything else in life through the words of God. That's, that's how we view everything we do. But look, that's not, even if that is our deepest desire, that's not how we always live life, is it? Like that sounds great. And why in the world would we ever do anything different? But we still say hurtful things. We still give in to the pull of pornography at times. We still jump in the gossip of the hour. Like we, we still do that stuff. Even when we know it's not wise, we know it's not something that's pleasing to the Lord. We still do that stuff, right? What happens in those moments? Like, why do we let go of wisdom and grab hold of whatever is in front of us under the sun in the moment? I think we start going wrong the moment we allow our eyes just to simply wander from God and to only see what it is that's right in front of us. And this is the type of uh, language that we're going to see all over the New Testament in just a moment. Um, the, the teacher himself would say in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 29, it's the, it's the end of this long section of, of wisdom kind of one-liners. 729, he says, this only have I found. God created mankind upright, but they've gone in search of many schemes. Like he created us well, but we, we try to do our own thing. Like it's the very first temptation over and over and over again in our life. If you think about what it was that the devil tried to do to Adam and Eve, he said, hey, God's wise, all that's great, but man, if you could try to think for yourself, if you could find some wisdom on your own, that would be, that would really be where it's at. It's the same temptation over and over and over again. Man, you could do things better your own way. That's, that's the temptation. That's what Adam and Eve gave into. It's what we give into a lot ourselves, right? So my encouragement to you if you're a believer in the room is just to be really careful who you listen to. Um, and I'm, I'm including myself in this. Y'all check me on stuff. Like I'm not putting myself in any kind of category here. Be careful who you listen to. Be careful to filter everything through Scripture. Like, this is the authority. This is what we go back to at all times. 
Um, and just be careful. I mean, especially, y'all, you can find anybody saying whatever you want to hear. You can find somebody saying it online, right? You can find that if you want to. And, and just, I just want you to be careful who you're listening to. Be wise in how you think about it. If something sounds good, like not everything that sounds good is wisdom. <laughs> not even close, really. Not everything that sounds good is wisdom. So, man, anything you hear, anything that you're trying to think wisely about, take it back to the Word. Take it back to the Word and filter it through what God would say about it, how Jesus lived his life. Take it back to that. Just be selective in who you listen to. Filter everything through the Word. If you were not a follower of Jesus in the room, um, I, want to, I want to be humble in how I say these things, but I also want to grab your attention don't go searching, man, and this goes, this goes for anybody, even if you are following Jesus. Don't go searching for the wisdom of the day and find yourself lost in foolishness. Please don't do that. Don't, you, you don't have to go anywhere else. This is it right here. Don't go, don't go looking for the wisdom of the day and find yourself lost in foolishness. And I, I've asked, I asked Carrie and Connor and Colton at various times just what Y'all, I go home and I've got a four and a one-year-old and like I watch Paw Patrol. Like I'm not as plugged into the wisdom of the day as some of y'all are. So I, I asked him to give me some insight. Like what is it that's out there? What are the things that are trending on social media, whatever? Like what is the wisdom of the day? And, and a lot of what they gave me was um, and look into the universe, manifestation, positive vibes, like all this stuff is the kind of wisdom of the day, if you will. And like, y'all, I'm not that much older than you, but that sounds so foreign to me. I, I, I feel like there's been a major shift just in the last decade or so on this type of stuff, but came across it yesterday. Um, feel like maybe the Lord brought this to my timeline, but I follow Will Smith on Instagram and he just happened to post a video yesterday um, of this girl. He was, he was just doing it for humor. And honestly, it was funny. Um, disclaimer, there's language in the video when you go look at it later. But um, this girl, he was posting just like a response video as she's saying these things. And what she was saying was that she had, she had learned this new wisdom, if you will, and that was gonna literally, I believe she said, change your life. And it was that everything has consciousness and that you can ask any, the example she used was the pen you're holding in your hand right now. You can look at that pen Ask it what it thinks of you, and it will manifest a thought in your mind. And y'all, that, like, I wanted to laugh at it because it sounds ridiculous in some ways, but y'all, either she really believes that, or she's gotten to where she sounds convincing enough that she's got thousands upon thousands of followers that are buying into what she's selling. Y'all don't, don't look to the wisdom of the day and find yourself in foolishness. Not everything has consciousness. Um, that, is, that is something exclusive to us as, as humans that we have souls and we have this opportunity to have a relationship with the Lord. Like that, that's for us, y'all. Um, that, is, that is just for us. Wisdom does not go to the highest bidder. It doesn't go to the person with the loudest voice. It doesn't go to the person with the most followers. Because wisdom goes to the one who created everything. He's the one who gets to tell anybody how to live. That's where wisdom comes from. You cannot manifest your way 
to a good life. You cannot turn the universe into a God. And if you try to do so, you're going to find yourself in major trouble whenever you find yourself in the same place as the teacher who's found himself saying, man, life doesn't add up. Life doesn't make sense. You have no answer to that question when you look to the wisdom of the day. Wisdom, y'all, is being able to see this world and to look beyond it. Wisdom is being able to see what's right in front of you and say, man, there's more to this. Just think about it, like you, you don't ever praise anything for itself. Like I don't sit down at dinner at night and say, golly, food, thank you for being so delicious. That's not how it works. No, our family, we thank Rachel for being willing to bless our family with a wonderful meal. None of you watched the Super Bowl and said, man, that was a great Super Bowl without thinking about the guys that played the game. They're the ones that made it a great game. You don't ever think about how great a song is without acknowledging the fact that, man, there's somebody that wrote the song, there's somebody that put all the music to it, there's somebody that sang it. You don't think about your dream car and think, man, this is just a fantastic car that just showed up. No, you, you acknowledge the fact that there's somebody that designed the car and there are factory workers that made the thing. And y'all, you can't look at the universe and praise the universe or anything in it in and of itself. You have to acknowledge that there was a creator behind it all and praise that creator. That is wisdom. That's the type of wisdom that I pray we all would be looking for because y'all, if the universe could speak for itself, what it would do for you is point you towards God. There is no doubt about that in my mind because of something like Psalm 19. Psalm 19 says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the expanse proclaims the work of his hands. Day after day, it pours out speech. Night after night, it communicates knowledge. There is no speech. There are no words. The message has gone out to the whole earth and its words to the ends of the world. It's like a bridegroom coming from his home. It's given the sun. He's created the sun and it's like a bridegroom coming from his home. It rejoices like an athlete running a course the sun rises from one end of the heavens and circles to the other end. Y'all, nothing is hidden from its heat. So we're looking at creation. We see how wonderful creation is. And we say, man, there's got to be more to this. We're praising the Savior for how good he is. What's our next step? We got to go see what this God's about. We got to see what he says. Well, man, if this guy created me, I need to know how he wants me to live. Because if he's God enough to make me, that's the guy that I want to be taking orders from. Verse seven, the instruction of the Lord is perfect, renewing one's life. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. The precepts of the Lord are right and making the heart glad. The command of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. The fear of the Lord, there we go again. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are reliable and altogether righteous. So that's the type of wisdom that God's giving us where does all of this fear of the Lord wisdom lead us? Verse 10, this type of stuff is more desirable than gold, than a, than, more desirable than gold than an abundance of pure gold and sweeter than honey dripping from a honeycomb. In addition, your servant is warned by them and in keeping them there is an abundant reward. Verse 12, who perceives his unintentional sins? Like I wanna, I wanna heed this wisdom and where it's led me to is <laughs> repentance. Verse 12, who perceives his unintentional sins, cleanse me from my hidden faults. 
Moreover, keep your servant from willful sins. Do not let them rule me. Then I will be blameless and cleansed from blatant rebellion. Verse 14 is maybe the verse that you know. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That last verse, verse 14, is where all of wisdom leads us. True wisdom leads us to a place where, God, I just want to live life however you want me to live. That's, that's wisdom. And, and I trust you with it. And, and you know, that's how we see that wisdom is worship. Like to, to use wisdom for anything else is self-serving, but to use wisdom to say, God, I want to worship you through how I live and to do that, I gotta be wise and I've got to look to your word and I've got to see in your word how I ought to live. So how do we do that? Like if that's the life you wanna live, we know we need an example, right? And all through scripture, all through the New Testament, especially he's telling us where this wisdom comes from and he's telling us you got to keep your eyes up over and over and over again. That's the type of language the New Testament uses. It says you've got to keep your eyes up. And I wonder if it's not an allusion back to Ecclesiastes. Man, you got to get your eyes off of everything under the sun and look up to Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2, keeping our eyes on Jesus. Colossians 3, 2, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Colossians 3, uh, 1 through 4. Uh, so if you've been raised with Christ, Seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. That same verse again. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So over and over again, we're told to keep our eyes up. It's the same language all throughout the New Testament because... Jesus is where all the wisdom is. He's the one who possesses all the wisdom. He, he's the example for all of us on how to live our life. And it's like, we know that, but, but do we actually know that? Like we know we're how to live like Jesus, but do we actually think about, no, no, Jesus was wise and every move he made was an act of worship to God. That's how I wanna live my life. That's how I wanna live my life. What, what does the New Testament go on to say about this type of wisdom 1 Corinthians says this, for the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it's the power of God to those who are being saved. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise in this world, and I will set aside the intelligence of the intelligent. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the debater of this age? Hasn't God made this world's wisdom foolish? For since in God's wisdom, the world did not know God through wisdom, God God was pleased to save those who believe through the foolishness of what is preached. At the time, Christ is foolishness, right? He saves God through what people perceived as foolishness. For the Jews ask for signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block for the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. Yet to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Colossians 2, verse 2. I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all the riches of complete understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery, Christ. In him, 
are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Yo, Jesus lived a perfectly wise life. And we can always look to him, no matter what situation you find yourself in. Man, our prayer ought to be, God, how would you live in this situation I find myself in? How would you do things right now if it was you living this life? Because as we said, wisdom is meaningless when we're hoping it brings us a return, right? When wisdom is an exchange for us, we don't know what we're getting in return. Wisdom's meaningless in that way. If that's how, (laughs) think about it this way. If that's how wisdom was supposed to work and Jesus did it perfectly, if he lived the perfectly wise life, then wisdom is a massive failure. Wisdom is a massive failure if what it's supposed to do is give you the perfect easy life. Because he died, right? He's killed. That's a horrible death. Only makes it 33 years in life. Wisdom failed him if that's how it's supposed to operate. But in that same moment, when wisdom took that punishment of our sins upon himself and saved us through his blood, all of a sudden, we owe him our lives. In that same moment where to some, it looked like all the wisdom that he had really, really failed him. It looked like God had failed him. Actually, what was happening was he was winning for us. He was succeeding for us. And in response to that, what do we do, man? Wisdom is however you want me to live my life, God. Like however you tell me to live, whatever it is it looks like to live following after you, God, I'm all in. That is wisdom. And that is where wisdom finds its meaning is when we let wisdom become worship. Let me pray over you. God, I pray that tonight that we would be aware of anything that we are chasing after that is not wisdom. God, would you open our eyes over and over again to what true wisdom is? Would you remind us that wisdom means we're following you? And that, that's the end in and of itself. Like, I, no matter what the results are in the back end, God, we want to live for you. And we're not going to worry about how crooked life is or how it doesn't add up at times. God, we trust you with that. If I can trust you with my salvation, God, then I can trust you with anything else that shows up in my life. God, I pray that that might be our prayer tonight. That wisdom would come in knowing you're a good God and that we can trust you in everything we do and we can have peace knowing that we are living in a way that you would want us to live. Lord, as we walk out of these doors tonight, I pray that we might let go of any kind of wisdom that's holding us back. God, if there's anything under the sun that we are focused on, that we were looking to, to provide a satisfaction, to provide our, our meaning in life, to provide knowledge for us, God, will we leave that stuff here? Let it go and latch hold of you, Lord. I pray that we would grab onto your wisdom and that that would be the only thing that we ever hold on to. 
God, I pray that you might over and over again through your spirit give us wisdom in the moment, in big things and little things. God, would you be faithful to provide wisdom when we ask for it? And you promise that you're gonna do that, God. Pray that you might help us to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and always tuned in to what you have for us, God. We love you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.